podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome staggeringly to another episode of Zero Ducks Daily. I can't quite believe that Daniel Norcross, that'd be me, and uh, Stephen Finn, that'd be him, who's actually here, have made it this far without just giving up and going, seemed like a good idea at the time, but sod it. Every day? Are you joking? Finny, we're yeah, doing I mean, it again. And there's, there's a taxi waiting for me now, so you need to rattle through this ASAP, I'd say. But yeah, it's, well, I, I'm actually amazed that the game's even gone to a fifth day. Maybe without the weather yesterday, we would have seen a, a conclusion today either way. Um, because had the leaden sky stayed overhead, you'd imagine Australia would have bowled England out for a lot less. But um, yeah, we're heading into a fifth day, which I didn't think was possible during this Ashes series, but it's on a knife edge. Well, England have taken their chances in the first innings. They themselves might have been bowling at Australia in a fourth innings under leaden skies. And that could be what's going to happen tomorrow. 352 runs today, 11 wickets, and it was mental. The very first ball of the day... I uh, I leapt for the defibrillator and I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, that, what the hell was going on? I mean, it was the fourth ball of the over, in fairness, because Cummins had bowled the first three the, the night before, but England's intent was rather heavily signalled, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, I think that was signifying the way that England were going to play. We were d- or discussing before whether England would just try and get themselves in and then expand as the day goes on, but um, Joe Root put paid to that discussion right from the first ball and then... As the day went on, England looked as though they were in the ascendancy. Then Australia would take a wicket. Another England batter would get in, get to 40. Then Australia would take a wicket. And it just did that all the way through the innings. The final couple of wickets actually, I think, added 44 runs, which could end up being precious when it comes to tomorrow afternoon when uh, when the Australian lower order are batting. Um, but certainly I see a few more twists and turns in this fixture, even as we saw this evening. They were really crucial, I thought, those last two wickets, because it wasn't just the runs they scored. It's that in this match, it has been piss easy to bat when the sun is out. It's so hard for seam bowlers to get anything to happen. And Moeen Ali's got a really sore finger. He clearly couldn't bowl very often. But he bowled one over just before he came off, which was just horrible to watch, poor thing. So obviously his finger had gone. He bowled a half tracker, a full bunger. It was ghastly. So if Australia had needed 238-240, it's not just that the fact that it would have been 30, 40 runs fewer. It's that they would have had potentially another 45 minutes in this beautiful weather. And they could really have sort of basically virtually got over the line. They could almost have got close enough to having an extra half hour if it hadn't been for Anderson getting his first double-figure score in 26 Test match innings <laughs> and his highest score against Australia since 2016. He and Brody both got into double figures. It was magnificent, but also a bit worrying. Didn't you think, Finney, that Ollie Robinson, who's not bad, bad, but he looked in very little trouble at all. He just guiding the ball off the full face of the bat. I mean, Broad did one when he moved away to leg and hit the middle of the bat down to third man. That shouldn't happen, should it? No, it does look very docile, doesn't it, once the sun's out. But I think what England will be encouraged by is the fact that there's meant to be weather around tomorrow morning. Um, I'd imagine we're going to see much darker skies and a damp outfield tomorrow, which means there'll be moisture 
in and around the surface and I actually think that when it was like that yesterday evening or yesterday afternoon sorry on that third day when Cummins and Boland had the ball in their hands it really did talk so when they turn up tomorrow and it's a bit damp and it's a bit wet and the floodlights are on I think they'll be very happy because the forecast for the rest of the day is fine. Andy Zosman said that that's only the eighth time in test match history that 10 men have made it to double figures and no one's made a 50. Will the guys in that dressing room be kicking themselves, some of them? I mean, I, I'm exonerating Ollie Pope because, not because I'm a Surrey man, but because he got the ball of the partly day. That. Well, it's partly that, but he got a bloody unbelievably good ball. It's a really good ball, that. How good was that ball? It was a good ball. Well, it was a very it was a good, good ball. ball. It knocked his off stump out. It was a I mean, fucking was, brilliant in, ball. Yeah, in-swinging Yorker. Yeah, in 88 class. miles an hour. Well, yeah, very quick. And, mm. and their premier bowler, yeah, Pat Cummins, you yeah. can't keep him quiet. But Joe Root ran straight past one to be stumped. Johnny Bairstow was out reverse sweeping Nathan Lyon, which I think might be perilous. He, he seems to be from round the wicket able to land it on middle and leg and it goes straight on, which is a bit problematic. And did England just go a bit too hard? Stokes didn't just before lunch. There was about a passenger play for about 45 minutes before lunch when they reined it all in. But then they decided that they were going to have to go berserk again, even though the game was on a knife edge. They lost a couple of wickets then. It could have been curtains. Yeah, the, the, the time when England looked under most pressure, though, and where they might succumb eventually was when they were patting it back and not showing any intent to the Australian bowlers. They really got on top and they turned the screw for that little period of time. Cummins bowled a long spell from underneath us here at the pavilion end and Lyon was whirling away from the other end but that's the only time that England really looked under pressure or troubled um, as soon as they showed intent to score the scoreboard moved forward and I think they've got themselves into a very good position it showed that even when there are partnerships you can quickly take two wickets in a bundle and then the scorecard and the scenario can change very much so I think we'll see more of the same tomorrow Jonathan Agnew reckons he's worked out what baseball is I, well we we in the SEN box have actually changed it to Root Riot. We think it's actually Joe Root who's causing all the weirdness. It's not actually Baz, he's not even playing. And Ben isn't really batting particularly unusually. It's Root, it's all about Root, it's the Root Riot. But Jonathan Agnes reckons he's worked it out. He thinks that you can sum it up as essentially just trying to freak out your opponents. He, he described it as throwing a giant rock in a still pond to cause chaos. Do you reckon that? I think that's not a bad summation, you know? Well, I think, yeah, spot on. And look at the Australian fields in this. It, the fielders have been like you've thrown a giant rock in a pond and all the others have scattered out towards the boundary. It's, uh, it's been strange to see the way that Australia have approached playing. Um, the few periods where they've brought fielders up and created pressure, they've looked like a very good bowling attack. But I think the, the shots that England have played and, and the way especially that Joe Root was reverse ramping Scott Boland in the second over of the day for four and six... That immediately takes the slips out of play. They disappear down to deep third. They disappear to deep point. And then all of a sudden the scoreboard moves faster or moves forward even faster. So, yeah, organised chaos from England at the moment, but it's working to their advantage. It's all looking a bit ominous at 61 without loss. And then Warner gets out. The place erupts. Edgebaster goes utterly nuts. Then Labashane. Labashane's second time now. He's got out uh, poking away at balls. Records that... poor outside of England. Labashane. He's got an outstanding. Sorry, outside of Australia. He's got an outstanding record in Australia. Um, but I think he's only scored 100 out of Australia. And for someone who's in the top three batters in the world, he'll want to change that. But looking at the way he's played today, pushing wide outside off stump to balls that have moved away from him. 
that a man of his standards doesn't necessarily have to play at. Um, he doesn't look in fantastic form. He hasn't looked rhythmical when he's gone to the crease and he's looked somewhat unsettled by the field placings that Ben Stokes has placed. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see how he goes as the series wears on, but there are some good um, some good scars there for England to reopen in the, in the following games. Didn't you say something about you tried to imagine bowling conditions? I think you were talking about your, your favourite bowling spell, wasn't it here yeah. at Edgebaston? When Broadie was bowling at the back end of today and the Hollies was going nuts, did I like bring back a few memories? Yeah, it did. Unfortunately, I was plugged into my headphones so I couldn't go out onto the balcony and, and listen to it firsthand. But yeah, it does. And you can see him whipping the crowd up before he bowls the ball because it does just carry you in. It, your momentum carries you in. The crowd gets on the back of that and you feel invincible and certainly every single ball in that spell that Stuart Broad bowled, he was bowling it with venom, he's bowling it with intent, um, and it did evoke some really fond memories, yeah. So, uh, fifth day. We might even be able to get a fifth episode out of this. I mean, you will be bright as a button, fresh as a daisy. You've probably said about a twentieth of the number of words I've had to say. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, my pounds per words. It's, it's been a relatively boring week, to be honest. I rarely get on air. I just sit and watch 80 or 90 overs of cricket, which is I can't really complain about it, but... Um, yeah, it's been exhilarating to watch and, and maybe tomorrow we'll see an England victory. Should go on the lash, I need a wine bar. Have you got any recommendations for Birmingham? I'm desperate for a drink and given that we won't have to work that hard tomorrow, will we? Where yeah, should we go? I got bought a bottle of wine actually last night. In a, Well, I think it was Tufnell and Vaughan who actually got bought it, but I was just there tagging on the back of um, tagging on the back of them. So, so maybe we'll head there. Vagabonds it was called. Oh, OK. Vagabonds it is. We will go to Vagabonds and we will try to be back tomorrow um, lastly prediction are England going to get over the line or Australia going to get over the line or is it going to piss down with rain who knows we'll find out I'm going <laughs> to stick some fence posts up my arse and, and see how we go I, I don't know if we get 40 overs England are winning because it's going to be grey and miserable and it's going to be fantastic otherwise draw <laughs> my god I'm never normally that optimistic oh fuck <laughs> I've jinxed it <laughs> cheers is Sports Social Podcast Network